Hey, hey, Podnot teams, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 224. I want to say thanks to all the uh, Patreons out there uh, supporting the network, and thanks to everyone who's sending in emails to the network. Uh, you guys helped me definitely uh, get my button gear to do this show. Um, quick uh, announcement as always, uh, TechCon Unplugged is coming up uh, September 20th through 22nd in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it's right outside of the uh, airport up there. Uh, these uh, types of topics to be to be covered at TechCon are uh, cyber security in 2019, how to provide VoIP services, HIPAA compliance, forensics, breach response. And I will say breach response is one of those uh, job categories that didn't exist maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And now it is like everywhere and really good paying job. Um, a whole bunch of other topics there. If you go to TechCon Unplugged, you can see some of the other topics. Um, uh, with with your price of uh, the ticket uh, being $100, you also get uh, all of your food paid for. In um, Also, uh, Saturday night, you get a uh, gift card to go over to Dave and Buster's, which is literally like a six-minute walk away. Um, good, uh, really good people are going to be there. A uh, whole lot of uh, influencers in the computer repair field is the way that I will put it. Uh, 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 in, um, in, um, in, including and not limited to, uh, Matthew Rowe, Matthew Rodella, uh, maintainer owner of a tech site builder. If you want to get a, um, a, a, um, tech small business, uh, off the ground, I guarantee you tech site builder can definitely help with those, uh, goals. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, Jeff Hallish there. He's the uh, man behind this, uh, getting everything uh, squeaky clean and getting everything up and running. We also have John Dubinsky, Marvin B. from Podnuts Pro, uh, who I will say is a hell of a nice guy. He's been doing some really good shows here for the last two plus years. Uh, we also have Mike Smith from Mike Tech Show. Uh, looks like instead of a mic in front of me, it looks like a big um, necklace uh, uh, ornament kind of thing. And we're also going to have Paco LeBron there. Paco is another one of those great guys. Uh, nothing but help. He'll help everybody and everybody around. If you go to TechCon Unplugged, you can also get a special group rates on your hotel, and there's a discount code for airfare if you want to fly with you um, knighted. Uh, TechCon Unplugged, again, September 20th through 22nd. Uh, I already have my uh, ticket booked. I got to get the hotel booked, and then I got to figure out if I'm going to fly there or drive there. Uh, don't know which way I'm going to go yet, but I am going to be there. And because it's just me with the uh, show again tonight, uh, there's going to be a little bit of pausing here on the live stream. Uh, if you want to know when this show will go live, uh, there's two different ways you can do it. You can either become a Patreon supporter. Um, and then when I post that a show is going to go live, I typically give it around a 10-minute window. Um, and then you'll be notified via a Patreon email as long as you subscribe. But it's even easier if you just go to youtube.com slash Linux for the rest of us. Uh, and if you click subscribe, click the bell that I hate clicking. Uh, I always will use YouTube for the, for the foreseeable future, even though I really do not like the service. I really do not like how they handle uh, claims and I really don't like how they handle intellectual property, but it's so dang easy for me to use. And I get a live backup recording to where if something tragic happens here, I will have that audio available to me as a download. So I will keep using YouTube for the time being is what I'm going to say.
Uh, I will say uh, I am going to try again next year to go to at least a little bit more conferences and events. So if you, the listener, have conferences and events that are around you that you think are cool, the sooner you let me know about them, the more possible I will be able to go make them. Uh, we're also going to give a, another um, another uh, a shout out to um, uh, Eric R. Eric R. Dini. Uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, he passed away from a uh, very severe form of liver cancer. Uh, he has passed away, but the medical bills did not disappear uh, when that happened. So there is a GoFundMe trying to help his uh, family with the um, medical bills. Uh, if you follow the link to in the notes, uh, it's uh, GoFundMe uh, help Eric Ardini and family. Uh, it's currently above 11300 Uh We did do a uh, 24-hour stream. Guys like Marvin came out, helped me out. Jeff came out, helped me out. Uh, and we were able to get that number over $10,000. I would like to see this number go again higher, but uh, I know it's not easy for people to part with money. So I'll just ask if you are donating to Podnuts. Uh, the last two months, I've been taking every penny that I've gotten, basically, and I've been giving them to Eric's family, um, part uh, except for some small things that I've had to do for Podnuts, let's say. Um, that's where the Podnuts money is going. Uh, feel free to support them. I will take it as no insult if people skip a month of um, contributions. Okay. Um, in the Linux world, I will say, I I said this maybe about a year ago now, and I really don't think a lot's changed since then. And that is um, a lot with Linux has became almost boring, uh, boring to me. And uh, I do admit it might just be because of how comfortable I am with the operating system and how I've seen things come and go and I've seen things change over time. And it just seems like now everything is more cloud-focused, uh, infrastructure-focused, orchestration-focused, uh, big server farm-focused, and less on end-user experience-focused. Um I do think that we are going to see at least a moderate change here soon. Uh, there's a couple articles I have here back to back to back. And really, I want to, by doing it like this, I want to make it clear that I'm not going to cover each one of these links uh, in particular, but they are starting to make waves. And that is clear Linux. And I will say at least once in the last episode, I accidentally called it clear OS. Unfortunately, it's one of those SEO things and the names aren't always great but clear os was an old was clark connect back in the day clark connect was an operating system rpm base you install it and it was a very useful and functional uh small business small enterprise server where you could easily go through a web ad admin portal and turn on all kinds of services and all kinds of servers clear linux is different completely different in fact it is so different that it is a what they call a source-based distribution, okay? Now, I will say this, uh, calling something a source-based distribution does not help anybody understand what it actually is. Uh, one link that I am going to make sure that is in the notes is the uh, DistroWatch um, page on Clear Linux because um, they do a good job of at least describing uh, some of the things going on here. Um, but... Uh, Clear Linux in the last month has seen at least a couple uh, sig significant upgrades and some things done to it. 
uh, which were not easy, I'm going to say. Uh, amongst them, they have a, a a greatly enhanced graphical in um in uh, a staller. Uh, it it really does look much 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 better than it used to. Uh, on uh, Pharonix.com article, uh, the first of the links, they have a image of how the installer used to look, and now they have an installer how it looks now. And I tell you right now. I did install this. I did install this raw on bare hardware. I uh, had it installed for a couple of days and the installer was maybe the most slick installer I've seen in the Linux world for a long time. I will say I didn't like the fact that um, at one point I had to back out of the installer because I believe my hard drives were not refreshing. So when I quit the installer and started to back up, I had to, ba- I had to re-enter everything from scratch, which wasn't the end of the world. It was just one of those things I really wish it would have saved the data that I already had in there. Um, but the installer worked like w- without any issues or anything. You just click, bang, go. Uh, the boot up time for this distribution was silly insane. Okay. Uh, the second article uh, I'm going to say is on Forbes.com. Uh, that's where they're basically saying it's time to pay a pay a um a um a attention to Intel's clear Linux OS project, and they at least highlighted the fact that this is not just a distribution, but this is a Intel product. Okay, uh, we all should know now. The only constant is change, and for years in the Linux world, graphics drivers were completely painful. I mean, completely and ridiculously painful. And I have never found a good way to, to describe what it's like with video cards and Linux. And here's the closest I think I can get to it. Imagine a wave going in front of you. Okay. And when that wave is going in front of you, you see it, how it's off in the distance and then it gets close and then it passes you up. That's how Linux driver support is for third-party GPUs, whether it be AMD or NVIDIA. And the question is, is do you have a card that's so new, the drivers haven't even gotten to you yet, okay? And then when the wave is right in, right in front of you is when your video card is at peak driver support. The unfortunate truth about Linux is, in my experience always, is that time for you to have support is nearly completely random. I've never seen anybody be able to tell me how long a video card will have full support in Linux. Uh, Sometimes it's as little as like 18 months. Sometimes it's like five or six years, but all video card support dies off after time. That's when the wave is done past you up. So it's, it is, it is a task. It is a chore to find the right video card to buy for Linux. And then sometimes you literally need to spend hours and hours and hours researching how to properly install the drivers, maintain the drivers, the correct configuration and so forth and so on. And it, and it is a chore. It is difficult. It is not easy. It is quite painful unless you've done it a million times, but then you went through it so many times. It doesn't seem that bad. Uh, clear Linux is Intel based. It is what Intel is writing. Intel has already said in now, I want to say less than eight months, maybe 10 months, they're going to unveil a Intel discrete graphics card. Okay. No, it's not going to be as powerful as the 
latest NVIDIA whatever. It's not going to be as crazy fast as the latest Ryzen this or AMD that. No, it's not. It's not. It's not supposed to be, okay? It's just going to be a discrete Linux video card. Um, it's going to work in Windows, but because of clear Linux, I can tell you two things. One, in right now, clear Linux is among the fastest Linux distributions because it's source-based, but let's just hold our horses on that. But when this graphics card comes out, there is no doubt in my mind that that graphics card will work even better in clear Linux than on Windows than on anything else. It's going to run superb in clear Linux. Now, I did say I only had it installed for a couple of days, and there's a reason for that. Uh, I'll try to remember all the applications I could not easily install on clear Linux. Audacity, obviously Chrome. Why would that be easy? It's Chrome. It's Google. Uh, I couldn't understand Kupfer. I couldn't install VirtualBox easily. Um, I couldn't install FileZilla. I couldn't install FileZilla. That's Mozilla. And I couldn't install FileZilla easily. Because uh, right now they have about 3,000 applications or uh, libraries or packages you can install in their package manager. Remember, this is source-based. They cannot just point at a Debian repo. They cannot just point at an RPM repo. They cannot just point at somebody else's information and pull it in. Like how Linux Mint just basically gets all of its stuff from Ubuntu. And then it modifies less than 10% of all the files. And then says, here, this is our distribution. Even though they did very, very little of the actual work that goes into the distribution. Clear Linux is the opposite. It's a source-based distribution where the packages are literally like crafted for this and only this. Okay. Now they said by the end of the year, they hope to have 30,000 packages that you can install in clear Linux. Uh, I, I will probably revisit it about that time and see if I can make it a full-time operating system. Uh, but for right now, it is unbelievably interesting to install. Uh, it, it is really fun to see it in action because it really does work really good. Um, but if you have a very, uh, a hard set of applications in your workflow, it might not be able to, uh, take on that challenge right now. Um, I don't want to sit there and figure out how to, how to do the, um, the appendency resolution on my own. I don't want to do that. Uh, so I want their packages to be doing all the work. Um, and yes, um, in the, uh, chat, um, Clear Linux is a source-based distribution just like Gen 2. Uh, and there's at least one or two other uh, source-based distributions. And the advantage is when you compile the software, it is literally compiled strictly for your architecture, which means there's a lot of code that's not downloaded onto your computer and doesn't have to run. Thus, everything runs faster. The downside, for instance, I, I remember years ago, uh, a guy wanted to install LibreOffice on his computer, and it literally took 48 hours to compile LibreOffice. Uh, you know, it's that, that, that's the kind of heartache you have to go through if you want something source-based and to run really smooth. Uh, Intel has to build up their libraries, their package list, so they can do it. Uh, and they do have things called bundles where you can browse them on the clear Linux, uh, website. And you can see there's a lot of packages available for it. A lot of them are developer focused, which is understandable. They want people to do development on this and they do have a focus on more cloud kind of things. Um, and they just, uh, 
did some more AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning kind of things uh, that they've just added to clear Linux. So there's little doubt in my mind. Uh, they're going to keep getting headlines. They're going to keep making headlines for at least this year. Um, I'm pretty sure clear Linux is going to be, be, is going to basically come out of in air quotes nowhere and take over a certain percentage of the Linux ecosystem. It's just a question of how much and how fast uh, I do expect by the end of this year, just like we have, um, websites dedicated to ooh, um, ooh, um, ooh, Ubuntu, but they do general Linux news as well. I believe we're going to have clear Linux like fan sites that are also going to do regular Linux news as well. I do expect clear Linux to just keep getting bigger, keep getting bad, uh, better over time. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, and I, I'm going to do a quick search on podnuts.com because I want to see when this was, because some of the stuff I will say, I find it hysterical. Uh, other websites, other people, other podcasts, other sources, uh, talk about finding, finding, uh, stuff. And then I stop and I think, you know, when was the last time I, and then I went and looked and I, and I find out, Oh, I talked about that about eight years ago. Um, it looks like, uh, the last time I actually talked about this was actually Linux basics, uh, which was over eight years ago is what I'm going to say. Um, and it's an application called airtime. Um, airtime is, a was, was correction was a really handy interface for you to host your own solution and have basically like a radio station to where you could manage it all through a web browser. You could add audio clips. You could add bumpers. You could add uh, uh, broadcast events. You And you can stream live to it with, I, I believe it was Icecast would let you do it. Um, and it was really handy. Um, last week, uh, somebody sent me a link to another pro, uh, project called LibreTime. And I'm looking at it and I'm like looking at LibreTime and I'm thinking, I've seen this before. I've seen this a lot before. Um, it's because basically airtime was uh, orphaned. It was let go uh, to basically die. So they basically picked it up and renamed it as Libertime. Uh, so if you want to do like your own online or terrestrial radio station, and I will say the last time I did uh, hear about this was maybe five years ago, and there was at least two radio stations. They were college radio stations that were actually using this software to manage their actual stream. Uh, so this is actually, I'll say this, uh, fully usable tool that, uh, if you actually take the time to, you know, sit down and like learn a little bit, uh, you'll find that it's actually a really easy tool to manage, uh, literal like radio stations. And I keep toying with the idea of wanting to do like a pod nuts, radio station, we have enough content. Uh, there's really no reason why we couldn't. So I'm mainly bringing this up in a show to make sure that I have, uh, this documented. And I just realized again, I completely forgot to share any of the links to the live listeners. So sorry about that. I'll get better. But yet, if you want to look at doing uh, your own radio station is the only way I can put it. It's the only way to easily describe to people. You have to look at Libra time. Um, and it, it is still getting updated as, as little as 17 days ago, uh, 
there's been code pushed to it. So that definitely made me feel better. Okay. Now I need to take a break because what's coming up next is not good. I'll say this. It's not good for Linux sanity is the only way I can put it. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's not good for Linux sanity. Um, okay. Microsoft has completely messed up browsers since like uh, IE 3.5, like IE version three and right around there, it was actually good, usable, functional on par with a lot of other browsers. Uh, but then since then they've just been constantly like rolling downhill, hitting their head on a rock every couple seconds. So they could just keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up. Well, they decided uh, roughly a month ago that they're going to basically take their new edge browser, completely delete the entire source code they have, just get rid of it. And they're going to use a Chromium base on their new edge browser. And uh, one of the project leads uh, in a developer conference in um, New Zealand uh, said they do have a goal of bringing the edge browser running the Chromium backend to Linux. Um, I will just put it like this. Choice is always good. More choice is always good. Uh, and as a developer, if you want, and if you're doing web apps, you want to test your web app on as many of these browsers as you can. There are plenty of uh, solutions out there where you can host your development stuff public and then put in your web address and you can see how it looks in all different versions of Firefox, all different versions of Vivaldi, Opera, Internet Explorer, Edge, whatever, whatever, whatever. But to actually have it locally installed, it definitely makes you more confident as a developer on how things are going to look and act. If it is basically the same source code, which they should be able to do at least most of the same source code from the Windows version to the Linux version, then if you're a developer, uh, you, you want to, you have to aim towards all the popular browsers and uh, the tyranny of the default is a real thing where a certain number of people who install windows will not go install a new browser. Uh, they currently do just because what's currently installed is so bad. Uh, but I could see this actually taking hold and people leaving it on their computer um, and using it. Um, it will be good for end users They'll have a more solid, more stable experience. It can be good for developers because there's less code bases you have to direct your code towards. And it's gotten so much better. Like eight years ago, um, for you to make sure your code worked on all the browsers, there was a lot of code you had to write specifically for Fire, Firefox. And then a lot of code you had to write specifically for IE. Well, hopefully it looks like those days might actually starting to be to come to an end. Um, and yeah, I'm never installing the Chromium-based Edge browser in Linux uh, ever. I can't see myself doing it. Um, this is the kind of thing where it kind of proves one of my newer beliefs is what I'm going to say. Um, and that is, while I still believe that uh, companies, there's no such thing as a good company. Uh, there is no company with the number one goal of literally bettering humanity. I'm sure they'll tell you that. But there is no company that says, you know, our first goal out there is to help these people, help those people, uh, spread freedom to these people, spread wealth through those people. No, no. It, they always, always have to first and foremost do right by the shareholder, by the investor, by their corporate board. 
And that's what they do. So because of that, we, the little guy, sometimes get squashed, get squished, get put out, you know, as a, you know, non-priority. Uh, Microsoft keeps dancing back and forth between uh, stuff I think that is really, really horrifically bad and then things that m- aren't horrifically bad might actually have good intentions, but I'm really not convinced it's going to work out okay, is what I'm going to say. Um, this, again, was at the um, New Zealand Developer Conference for Microsoft, and Microsoft said that they are going to release completely open code to the wild, that they're also going to partner with uh, some hardware m- manufacturers, and they're going to enable what they say is a completely secure, verifiable, auditable, open source voting system. Um, now, okay, okay, okay. I'm all for companies trying to make voting more secure, auditable, verifiable, safe, and open so everyone can read the code. I'm all for that. Do I actually think Microsoft is going to hit like a home run with this? Hell no. Hell no. Okay. Voting systems are really hard. And and like, here's one of those dirty truth things. This last election that happened here in the U.S., everyone on both sides worrying about uh, all these tampering going on with the uh, elections. Well, the truth be told, one of the reasons why it is so difficult to actually manipulate elections in the U.S. by actually manipulating the systems is because every single jurisdiction in the United States has its own procurement team, has its own rules of engagement, and they buy whatever system that they want to buy. Now, granted, there might only be, let's say, hypothetically, 30 or 40 different systems out there, but you also have a lot of jurisdictions out there that literally do paper ballots because they feel it's so much more secure and auditable and traceable and trackable. And I can't say that they're wrong in doing that. But because all these different places use all these different systems, it made it much more difficult for anybody to actually come in and actually infiltrate the actual act of election. Now, there are other things they can do. You can manipulate people. You can manipulate all kinds of stuff. But if you put out there that you're going to put out this completely open platform that's going to help voting, it's just one of these things, okay? If you make a target, people know what to shoot for. You know, it, it, if you put an apple on top of your head, people aim towards the apple. Okay. If you put out there that you're putting this open code out there to control voting systems out there, it is going to be a ballistic target. I mean, you want to, bad guys will go after that like insanely. So the main thing to me with this code isn't the fact open, verifiable, secure, audible, blah, blah, blah. They literally need to put the code out there and then let go of it and let everybody work on the code. That I firmly believe that's the only way this code, this infrastructure, this solution has an actual chance to actually be a safe thing uh, to use. Um, uh, we have elections coming up here uh, all the time in the U.S. That's one of the bad things. Um, but this is the kind of thing I will watch very carefully. I really hope that I'm wrong. I really hope that this comes out and this really does help uh, with security, auditability, verifiability. They also want to give you as the vote taker a way that you can actually ensure that your vote got counted. Now, there's a lot of privacy involved with voting. Uh, One of the main reasons I think 
current voting systems can work is because you have at least some belief in complete privacy and anonymity, anonymity, whatever. When you take your vote, that a government official is not going to come at your door, knock and ask why you voted for something. So not only do we need security, privacy, audibility, but we need to make sure that uh, what our vote was set as the link back to us as a person is not uh, e- e- you know easy to trace back. That's one of the aspects of voting that I don't think a lot of people um, focus on. Probably my belief, because we have it so good in this country when it comes to that. Um, I want to do at least some better news. I'll say um, th- this is one of those mixed bags. I don't like um, a lot of the articles that are coming out about this because I don't think they tell the complete story. Is what I want to say. Okay. Um, Android police, all Chromebooks launched this year will be Linux ready. Okay. Basically every Chromebook being launched this year and for the foreseeable future will have the availability of running the Linux virtual machine container, uh, side by side on the operating system. Uh, I still don't believe they've actually surfaced it to normal people. Uh, I think you have to be in the, in a developer mode. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it isn't full support. This is the one thing I don't think that people don't really like understand yet. Um, you still don't have full accessibility to the audio stack. Uh, but because of that, you also should understand you probably don't have complete access to a lot of the hardware stack. You only have access to a little bit of the hardware stack. Now for a lot of people, all you need is the ability to launch a window, watch a YouTube video, or write something out. To that effect. So for a lot of people, this is probably enough in air quote Linux for them to get by. Um, I do not have any Chromebook with the ability to do the Linux on it, uh, the official way. Um, I am interested in this. Uh, I want it to become a little bit more advanced, a little bit more posh, a little bit more mature before I even consider getting another Chromebook. Um, but it's good to hear that this kind of thing is going to become more stable and more accepted on more devices here in the future. Um, we're going to jump to an email now. We actually do have a couple emails here. I'm going to try to do them in like time order, the order that they came in. Uh, first one is here from a skip. It says, uh, you mentioned the learning curve for I three on the last podcast. I found a good distro for transitioning to the I three desktop is Manjaro, which has a community run version built around I three. It includes some useful documentation, including a list of shortcuts on the desktop via Conky. Uh, and, and I did find a screenshot to this. I do want to install this in a VM just so I can see it in, in action. This is how it's supposed to be done is what I'm going to say. I don't normally compliment arch based distros. Okay. I don't, I don't because I don't because I'm not, I, they, they break. They always break. It seems like, and I know I break everything, but they always seem to break. But this is the kind of distro to me that just makes sense. And what I really want, I really want other distros to take, to take a look at this and see how they did it and just copy them, emulate them, do something like this. Just having the keyboard shortcuts on your desktop via Conky is a huge help for someone just starting out with I3. Because if you don't know the keyboard shortcuts to do something, you ain't going to do it. You ain't going to figure it on your own. You know, that's just the way it is. You will not figure it out on your own. Um, uh, I have an, another email here. 
This one is from, uh, let me see if I can copy paste this thing. Dang, that's what happens. Nope, didn't work completely. Uh, and uh, this one is from Mavaro. Mavaro. Um, uh, it was in response, we had a guy who was asking about uh, M3U playlist. Um, and uh, basically he says, I- I'm not 100% sure what your listener is looking for from the message, but audacious can import and export playlist to M3U format and others. Uh, so I'm going to star this email right now to make sure that I do not forget this. And I will, and I will send this uh, back to the listener who was looking for that. Um, yeah, he was looking for an audio player that could handle uh, the M3U play, play, pay playlist. And he wanted to have it like automatically happen. Aha, there you go. Okay. Uh, one more quick email that we're going to do here. This one's from uh, 5150, and this one was from well over a month ago. So sorry for my delay, 50. Um, Dora, I've been catching up on Podnuts in general. I might have listened. I'm going to reverse read it again. Uh, and wanted to tell you how much useful content I found in Linux for the rest of us, 221. Not only do I want to follow up on almost every link, I was especially in um intrigued by Leon-AI. I viewed a talk on a... A similar home server personal a uh, assistant at PenguinCon in 2016. It it worked via an Android app, but required at least a dedicated i5 as a home server. A taller re requirement three years ago than now. It it went through a name change due to something like proprietary radio service, and somehow seems to have morphed into a AI customer service agent for banks with no mention of false on their website at clinc.com. Good to see someone else developing along the same same lines. I was also very glad to hear I'm not the only one who tries to install something and the wheels come off as soon as you introduce Node.js. I thought all these years it was just me. I know you are busy and there is a lot uh, of a too long didn't read in the in this message look at it when you can that was a fine message 50 um yeah i'll say this um node js to me time time seems to be the most precious commodity when you're looking up a node tutorial um you have to find something that is as close to today as possible uh, even if it's three months old, you follow the exact same steps that they documented. And my experience is it never works. If it's three weeks old, it probably won't work. If it's 10 days old, there, there's a chance it's going to work. But with Node.js, to me, it has been unbelievably um, finicky, flaky, picky uh, about will stuff work or not. And it's because it's a constantly ongoing upgrading system that is always going through its own changes. Uh, we have some more. I'll say bad news in the Linux front, and it's uh, in uh, Integros uh, Linux project ends. Um, I mean, this is the kind of thing I honestly don't like to report on, but it is a truth. It happens, okay? Uh, this distro has been around for at least a couple years. Uh, and to be honest, I heard more than a couple people swear how good uh, everything was in this distro, how everything worked very well in this distro. And it's just one of those things, you know, it, every distro sooner or later, 
uh, comes to an end. And unfortunately, in in um, in Teros is another one that basically bit the dust. Uh, the good news is we'll always be able to download it on uh, archive.org and other sites and play with it, but it, it is not going to be further developed. Um, th- this next one I had to bring uh, because I l- literally had a coworker uh, asking me about, you know, if if I was a kid these days, how would I go about starting my career getting a job? Um, and I will say the, the answer that comes with this is not a fun answer. It's not a, uh, uh, it, it isn't an answer that a lot of people like the way I'll put it because it takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. There is no magic pill. There is no magic. Fill this out. There is no magic click here. While I, everything's done for you. This is when it turns into a labor of love. Okay. If you're doing any kind of development at all, designing interfaces, doing HTML, JavaScript, CSS, doing React, doing Ajax, doing any kind of code like that, doing UI, doing C++, doing C Sharp, doing Visual Studio, doing whatever. If you're developing anything, if you're developing any type of code or any type of graphics that can be used by a computer for business purposes, the first thing you should do is put your stuff out on the public facing internet and ask people to criticize, help engage period. Doing that will not only make you much better at what you're doing. It will also help you in understanding how teams work. It can also help you how to talk to communicate with people. And there's little doubt putting your code out there for the public to see you will become a better coder quicker than if you just sit in your room and just type by yourself. Um, this is an open source, uh, dot com article sponsored by Red Hat. Uh, how to advance your career by, by con, by con, uh, attributing to open source projects. And it's a quote unquote real, uh, story of how this person, uh, basically w- went through like a life changing event and started putting code on GitHub and basically turned out, got a job because of it. Um, I really do encourage everybody to put your code out there, ask for input, ask for support, ask for critiques and ask for help. And I guarantee you, you will find somebody out there who's willing to help. Um, maybe it's on GitHub. Maybe it's on a, d- a different site. I don't know. Uh, but I definitely think it's worth your time. The earlier, the sooner, the younger you are, the better and the more is going to pay off. Um, I've been involved in more than a couple interview panels at work in government. We're always at least a little bit behind the trends out in the corporate world. Um, partially cause you know, government likes to watch government, you know, companies fall on their face and then just pick up the good parts from them is their belief. Um, when you interview a person, if what they're doing has passion behind it, AKA they're not just doing it for money. They're not just doing it as part of a job, but they're doing it outside of their job. They're doing it when they're home. That means that person actually has some passion about the thing and will want to do things better than normal people has an actual desire to do these kind of works, hosting your code out in the public or your graphics or your music or whatever out in the public sphere. And then if, and then when you go to an interview, you can literally say, here's a link to my GitHub or here's a link to there. And we can actually go and see what you've been doing. That will weigh 10 times heavier than how you answer a question under a pressure situation, like a job interview. Um, I encourage every single one of the people when I'm involved with an interview, um, you know, 
going as many interviews as possible. It's good practice. But the more code you put out there, the more that you put your work out in the public sphere, the better. Because like I'm a government employee. When I leave my job, I can't take any of that with me and show other people what I did. It's just a fact of life. Um, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. So if I was right now, you know, 17, 18, 20, 24 years old, whatever, I would be putting a lot of code out there in the public sphere. It would be really ugly code because that's what I do, but I would get better at typing it. I would get better at presenting it. I, I will get better at just doing my code thing. Um, this one I'm, I'm sharing just because I almost thought it was funny. I almost thought it's funny because the world is not ready for this. No one is ready for this, but they're talking about it like it's a real thing right now. And it's a um, make use of uh, page 10 things to consider when switching to a Linux smartphone OS. Okay. I will say this. If I could have a Linux mobile device with a podcast player, an audio player that could play, you know, 3.5, 4.5, 5x speed, uh, and do it correctly. I don't know what would hold me back from switching to that device. I will say that because I like the idea of having a Linux in my pocket. Um, this is definitely a little bit longer of an article, but here are coming some of the key things. When you are in the Google verse, um, you are constantly donating to Google value. And you don't really get much back. You get some access to a service. So their security is more important to them than your security. Same thing with Apple. Apple always says it secures your data. No, 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 no. To Apple, it's their data. Okay, it's not your data. It's their data. And they don't let anybody else use it. But trust me, they abuse the user's data. All companies do. That's what companies do. With a Linux smartphone, the number one focus would be security because that's how Linux rolls. It is the most secure, basically, operating system, not because it has the small number of desktop installations, but because when things are found out that are bad in the code or, or weak in the code, they get fixed really, really quick. So it is definitely security-oriented. Um, operating system upgrades, uh, nothing can live forever. Okay. Nothing can live forever. Sooner or later, updates will stop for everything. Uh, Chrome OS is five years. Okay. Some people think that's not long enough. Well, most mobile phones, you're lucky to get a year or 18 months worth of upgrades. You are extremely lucky to get that amount of uh, upgrades. There's no doubt with a Linux phone, you could get easily five years of upgrades without no real issues. Uh, and it would, in my experience, just work. Uh, you would get compatibility with the Linux desktop. A lot of people, I don't think would really understand that plus, well, you know, how could that be an advantage? Uh, basically all it means is you will very easily be able to access things on your phone. Like you were on your desktop. Uh, it, it's verbed a little bit weird as one would say, um, un, un, a, un, a adulterated OS experience. That's just buzzwords. Lots of customizations. That's what Linux does. Linux is nothing but customizations. You can change anything you want at any time you want. You'll be able to dual boot your phone. I could literally see having um, a work profile and then a home profile on my phone that when I'm at work, I literally don't want to see some of these apps. I don't want to see some of these things. I'm at work. And then when I get home, reboot my phone. I don't want to see work email. I don't want to see these other things. 
So some of these can definitely be a little bit true is what I'm going to say. Um, snappy experience. What the hell is that? That is just complete garbage right there. Uh, anything can be snappy. Anything can be slow. Uh, you know, potential Linux drawbacks. Yeah. Too few apps. Yeah, exactly. Unless they have a way of sucking in apps from another ecosystem and presenting them to you. There's no doubt. There's going to be an extreme lack of applications for at least a little bit of a while. Hard time with hardware. Uh, if hardware is not built with the intent of supporting Linux out the gate, then you're going to have to rely on people basically reverse engineering hardware to get it to work, which means it's not going to be a good experience. Uh, doubts over the future of mobile Linux. I don't know if we are going to have a successful Linux phone. We have a uh, Pine 64 people working on a Linux phone. Uh, there's a couple other people, uh, um, um, Purism working on a Linux phone. I don't know if any of these people are going to be successful, but it's going to be one of those things. This software is not enough for it to work right. You need the software with the hardware and everything working together for it to um, actually work right. Uh, we've had attempts in the past with stuff like sales, uh, Sailfish, uh, Tizen technically was a Linux one, uh, but they were not really successful. Is what I'm going to say. Um, the only constant is change. I do think it is possible in the next year and a half, two years that we will have at least a semi successful Linux phone. And by semi successful, I just mean like 10,000 phones sold, which is nothing. Um, but I really would like to see something like that happen. Um, the last link I'm going to share, um, I'm really, I don't like reading between the lines with a lot of stuff, but this is an article I found. Basically, I have to read between the lines. Uh, it is to um, uh, GNU.org, and it's GNU, G-U-I-X, Gwix, version 1.0.0 released, May 2nd, 2019. Uh, we are excited to a, uh, announce the release of GNU Gwix version 1.00. The, this release comes with ISO 9660 installation images, virtual machine images, and with tarballs to install the package manager on top of your current GNU Linux distro, either from source or from binaries. Gwix users can update by running Gwix pool. Okay. They don't really get into a lot of this all websites these days do a horrible job of just getting to the point and telling people what this is. Okay. So I'm going to say it. This is a universal package manager. That's what it's trying to be. Uh, we in the Linux world have had a long time with a lot of arguments from a lot of people. What's wrong with Linux? Why Linux isn't succeeded? Why isn't the year of the desktop? Why isn't this more popular? Why isn't that more popular? Um, some people claim because there's too much choice, it's too confusing. The, um, uh, smart people are too spread out working on the same things in different distros. So none of them are going to be successful. I don't think any of those things are accurate whatsoever. I do think that if I, as a developer could make a package once and have that installable on virtually any Linux distro, uh, that would help everybody out the users, the developers, and the maintainers. Um, Gwix wants to be a universal package manager. You can install Gwix on Debian-based distros, RPM-based distros, and then that becomes 
the place where you install your packages from or an option of where you can install packages from and get upgrades from. This is the kind of thing I, again, you know, nothing is constant except the state of change. You know, we have Microsoft making voting machine stuff. We have Intel doing a discrete GPU and their own Linux with help from Ike Doherty. Um, we have uh, Chromebooks soon in the stable channel going to be able to have Linux applications like one click right on the desktop. Um, we have a lot of things going on in Linux that I, none of them are here yet. They're all in the future. You know what I mean? Everything that I've been seeing, it's, it's somewhere in the future. This is the kind of thing. If this thing does catch on whatsoever, even if only 30%, 25% of the distros out there that are active, uh, actively support using this as a package manager, uh, we could see monumental shifts come after that, you know, three, six months after that, a year after it, three years after it to where this could be the one universal package manager that we've all been looking for. Now, if they always insist on calling themselves GNU Gwix, it ain't going to work. Um, every time we've seen this, just put it out there. Let people use it how they want to use it. Let people call it however they want to call it. And let's see if it can actually work. Let's see if it can actually be picked up. Uh, I will say right now, there's uh, 9,771 packages, uh, no doubt. Not all of them are going to be stuff that you need, but, um, I will say like, uh, that's three times as many right now as, uh, clear Linux. Uh, so I'm just going to do a quick, yep. No Cupfer. That sucks. Cupfer is always the one, oh, wait, page two. Uh, Cupfer is always the one that I always go and check out. If, uh, if somebody doesn't have Cupfer, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to meet my needs. And, uh, there, there's no Cupfer, uh, right now for Gwix. That's going to be my measuring stick. We all have our own measuring sticks, but if you go to the link in the notes, you can take a look at all their uh, packages. You can go to where you can download it for uh, all your different architectures. And it, they are making uh, ARM, um, I'm going to say it was ARM 7 packages as well. So even possibly on Raspberry Pi type distributions or Raspberry Pi type hardware, excuse me, you'll be able to maybe install this and install your packages from that. It has to be better than Node.js, right? That's what I keep telling myself. Um, okay, I definitely thank everyone for coming out. I thank everyone for their support. Uh, do not forget, again, if you want to catch this show live, you can either join the Patreon at patreon.com slash podnuts, or you can subscribe on YouTube to uh, youtube.com slash for the rest of us, uh, or just hang out in the Discord or the Mattermost server. And I try to remember to make announcements there. I don't always do it, but I always try to. Uh, you can always send us an email uh, at uh, podcast at linuxfortherestofus.com. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their support. And do not forget, if you do not have root, you do not know who does. Who does.